and all of her staff. Can we give all of those guys a big hand? Doing such an amazing job. We so appreciate them. We love them. And uh, man, I believe there was a couple kids in the back. If you could have just brung them forward and turned them loose, buddy, we'd have had something. It had been one of those glow stick moments, you know, it had been one of those moments. So anyway, but we do love our kids and we're so thankful that, uh, that many of you are stepping up, man. And some of you, you're looking around and you're seeing these guys with these stickers. I found it. I found it. I found it. That is all based off of a series that we've been in over the past several weeks. We're actually bringing that series to a close today. But what it is, is talking about your purpose, talking about what God's called you to do at this season in your life. And so we've been talking about that. Do you realize that you are unique today? Come on, you're unique. There is nobody else on the face of the planet like you. Turn to somebody and say, praise the Lord. Nobody like you in all of the world. You're unique. You understand God doesn't make copies of anything. That's why there's no two plants alike, there's no two animals alike, there's no two snowflakes alike, and there are no two people alike. You are an original. Why is that so important? Because originals are always more valuable than copies. And so we've been talking about that. We've been talking about how you are God's masterpiece. Come on, turn to somebody and say you're God's work of art. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, which has kind of been our theme verse here, it says, hey, you are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So because of Christ, we are God's masterpiece. We're unique. We are, uh, we are special. We are precious in God's eyes. And uh, not only that, but in talking about your purpose, we said, hey, the first place you've got to start is with God. And so we've kind of had a theme verse or a theme quote, if you will, throughout this series that simply says you were made by God for God, and it is only in God that you discover your purpose. So if you want to know what your purpose is, if you want to know what God's created you to do, who he's created you to be, you have to start with God. And so we've been talking about this. We said, hey, there's five different ways that God has wired you and it's called your niche. Now, I know we've, we've been battling this, guys. We've been battling this. So, so many people say it so many different ways. And so let's do this real quick. How many of you guys in here say that this word right here is niche? Let me see your hands in the house if you say this is niche. Okay. How many of you guys in here say this word is not niche? It is niche. Let me see your hands, you highfalutin people. You, how many of you guys in here just born and bred Johnston County said it's not niche, it's not niche, it is Nietzsche in Jesus' name. How many of you say that? Thank you. There you go. So we've been talking about niche or niche or Nietzsche, however how you want to say it. It's just an acrostic that basically makes up who you are. And so we've been talking about your natural abilities. There's things that you're just naturally gifted in. You're naturally good at. Statistics say that anywhere between five and 800 different abilities that each person has. That's a lot of abilities. And so what are those abilities? You have to find that out. We talked about individuality, and that's your personality. Everybody's personality is a little bit different. So we talked about that. We talked about charisma gifts. 
uh, God has not only given you natural abilities, He's given you some spiritual gifts to go along with that if you've accepted Him into your heart. And then last week we talked about your heart. That's, that's your passion. That's your desires. That's what kind of cranks that motor up and gets you out of the bed rolling in the morning. Today, I want to end that series in the next few moments with experience. Experience. I want to talk about the experiences of life, and I want you to understand that God wants you to use your experiences. Let me, say, let me say that again. He wants you to use your experiences. The good, the bad, the ugly, the embarrassing moments, the hurtful moments, the pain, the joyful moments, the happy moments. He wants you to use your experiences for your good, but for His glory. And so, you know, one of the most famous passages in the Bible about experiences of life is Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Most of you can kind of quote that verse verbatim, but Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says this, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. So again, this is one of the most famous verses in all of the Bible, other than John three sixteen. But it is also one of the most misused, abused, and misunderstood verses in the Bible. For instance, let me just kind of tell you right off the bat what this verse does not say. Okay, This verse does not say that all things work out the way I want them to. How many of you found that to be true in your own life? Everything's not going to work out the way you want it to. This verse also does not say that you're always going to have a happy ending on this earth. You're not going to happen. Why? Because we live in a broken planet. So what does it say? Let's take it apart phrase by phrase. It says, we know. Okay, so we know. Not we guess. Not we hope. We wish. We pray for. We want. We desire. We know. We know that for a fact of life, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. So we know. What do we know? We know that in all things, the word all there means all. In Greek, it means all. In Hebrew, it means all. In Pig Latin, it means all. We know that all things, does that include your mistakes? Absolutely. Does that include the, the, the times where you made a decision and knocked it out of the park? Absolutely. Does that include your dumb decisions? Absolutely. Does that include your failures, your sins? Absolutely. The divorce, the unemployment, the bankruptcy... Absolutely, we know that in all things, God fits everything into His plans, and everything is certainly not good. We know we live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world. And listen, God grieves when evil happens. It grieves His heart to see that, and He's given us a free choice. He could have come in, and He could stop all of this, but that would make us not human. And so God gives us a free choice, free will. And so we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. He works for the good. In other words, there's a grand design behind everything in your life. Your life is not an accident. It's not faith. There's no karma. There's no random chance. There's no happenstance. There is a design for your life that God has created you with a purpose. And in all things, God is working. What is he working? He's working for the good. Even in the bad? Absolutely. He loves to bring good out of the bad. 
He loves to turn crucifixions into resurrections. He loves to take those bad moments in your life and turn it around for his good. And that's one of the reasons why we worship God. Because he specializes in taking the mess of my life and turn it into a message. He takes the test of my life and turns it into a testimony. He takes the crisis of my life and shows Christ through it. He takes the bad things in our life, puts it all together, and somehow brings good out of it because he's God. And that's what he does. And so today I want to look at how does he do that? How does he do that out of the experiences? And let me just say this. And you're going to hear me say this a lot today. God does not want you to waste your experience. God does not want you to waste the experiences that you've had in your life. So how do I keep from wasting those experiences? Let me give you three things real quick today. How do I keep from wasting those experiences? Well, number one, you have to embrace every experience in your life. You have to embrace it. The good, the bad, the shameful, the right, the wrong, the happy, the sad. You have to embrace all of them. Listen, stop running from your past. If God's going to work something good out in your life, you can't run from your past. Notice I didn't say live in your past. There's a big difference there, but you can't run from your past. Galatians chapter 3 verse 4 says this, you have experienced many things. Were all of these experiences wasted? I hope not. So don't run from your past. But the problem in life is because of the pain and and the sorrow that we've endured. We tend to deny our past. We ignore our past. We regret our past. We resent our past. We even make up stories about our past because the stories we make up sound so much better than the reality of our lives. But listen, God says as long as you're in denial about your past, I can't use that for good. God can use every experience in your life for good. Every experience. The relational, the educational, the spiritual, the vocational, the painful. All of them. The ones you liked, the ones you didn't like. He can use all of them. But you have to stop running from the experiences of your life. You have to embrace them. Well, you know, I, I, I wasn't the parent I wanted to be. My parents weren't the parents I wanted them to be. You know, I, I wasn't the, the high school football team. I wasn't the captain. I wasn't the prom queen. I wasn't this. I wasn't that. Listen to me. They are your experiences. They're your experiences. You have to own them and God will use them for good in your life. But in order to use them, you've got to remember them. You can't keep pushing them out of your mind. Matter of fact, Jesus tells us this, and the Old Testament talks about this in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 2. It says, remember what you have learned about the Lord through your experiences with Him. Turn to somebody and say, remember what you have learned. You got to remember it. I thought about a guy named Joseph in the Bible. I mean, have you ever heard of Joseph in the Bible? I thought about this guy. Have you ever had a bad day? Come on, anybody ever had a bad day? Anybody ever had a bad week? Anybody ever had a bad month? How many of you guys are looking at 2019 and you're like, I am so, so glad this year is almost over. I'm ready to go into 2020 with something new, something great. Anybody feel that way? What about 40 years? The first 40 years of this guy's life were horrible. I mean, for 40 years, everything went wrong in this guy's life. It was downhill. 
I mean, his brothers hated him. They sold him into slavery. On top of all of that, he gets accused of a rape he didn't even commit. I mean, here's Potiphar's wife, Miss Holly Hotifer, laid all up in there. And she's grabbing the guy. And he literally pulled out of his clothes and ran. And so he gets accused for something he did not even do. Gets thrown in prison. And so for 40 years, this guy's life was straight downhill. But in the middle of all of that, he began to look back at the things that God was doing and how God had set all of this stuff up to use him to be able to save Israel and to save Egypt from starving to death. And, and so then when the time came for his brothers, the brothers who didn't like him, the brothers that sold him, the brothers that told his father, hey, you know, uh, he's dead and a wild animal got him. All of the, these same brothers stood before him. And in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, this is what he said. He says, you intended to harm me. But God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Listen, there are things in your life where there were people, man, and they intended to hurt you. They intended to harm you. And you know what? God was grieving when that happened. But let me just encourage you today because God is bigger than your problem. God is bigger than your pain. And the purpose for your life is bigger than any one of those. And so you have to embrace those moments in life. You have to look back on your life. And I guarantee you, if you look back on your life, you will see the hand of God weaving its way throughout your life to bring you to where you are right now. You have to embrace your experiences. But here's the second thing. You have to learn from your experience. You have to learn from you got to pull out those lessons that you need to learn. Hear me today. An unexamined experience is worthless. An unexamined experience is worthless. There are people who are 50 years old and they haven't lived in 50 years. They've lived one year 50 times their whole life. They're still doing the same thing. They're still caught up in the same relationship, the same atmosphere, still making the same mistakes they made. Why? Because they haven't learned what they needed to learn. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, I love this, amplifies, test and evaluate yourselves. It even goes down and says, examine yourselves. And know that Jesus Christ is in you. So right off the bat, we are to examine. We are to test. We are to evaluate. Listen, do you understand there is never a moment in your life where God is not with you if you've accepted him in your heart? There's never a moment in your life where Christ is not with you. The Holy Spirit is not in you if you have invited him into your life. And so you have to go back and examine and test and evaluate. So what exactly does that mean? Three things. What do you look for? You look for benefits, you look for patterns, and you look for lessons. Just three things. You look for benefits, you look for patterns, and you look for lessons. So let's look at the benefits. What am I looking for? When you look back on your life and there's a time in your life where you said, you know what? I was really good at that job. Don't stop right there. What was it about that job? What was it about that moment in history? What was it about that relationship that you really loved? What are you doing? You are examining that. You're looking at the benefits because when you start looking at the benefits, things that you really love, things that really kind of get you, get your motor started up in the mornings. When you start looking at that stuff, it starts to point you towards the purpose God has for your life. But you also have to look at patterns in your life. And the patterns you're looking for is the patterns of failure. 
Because listen, if you fail at something and you don't learn anything out of that, how many of you know when that something comes around again, you're going to fail again? And you're going to keep falling into the same old ditch all of the time if you're not looking at the patterns. And when you look at the patterns, I'm not talking about looking at your failures and beating yourself up about it. You know, poor pitiful me. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about looking at those patterns, looking at those failures, saying, you know what? I want to be different. What can I learn right here? So if this ever happens again, I don't fall back into the same situation. I don't fall back into those same patterns. You know, it's interesting because the Israelites found themselves in this situation. The children of Israel for 400 years were in slavery. God said, hey, I'm sending you somebody. It's freedom, baby. Walk out. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. And they walked out heading to the promised land. And it took them 40 years to get somewhere that only should have taken them a couple of weeks. Imagine that. You guys should have been there a long time ago, but what happened? They failed to realize. They failed to learn. They failed to look at the patterns. So what would happen? God would test them. They would, they would fail. They'd blow it. They'd start living their own lives. They'd start forgetting God. God said, one more lap. They did it again and again. And for seven times, they took those laps. And for something that should have took, taken them only a couple of weeks or so, it took them 40 Years. Why? Because those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it. Those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it. What is it in your past that you can go back and look at and say, okay, what can I learn from that right there so that I don't fall into that same trap? I don't keep doing the same old thing. So again, you look for the benefits, you look for the patterns, but you look for the lessons. Job chapter 32 verse 7 in the Message Bible says, the longer you live, the wiser you become. Now, let me just say this about that verse. That verse is a possibility, not a promise. Some of y'all will get that later. That verse is a possibility, not a promise. Because I know a whole lot of old folks is dumb as dirt. I mean, let's just be real. I mean, you know, you can't fish crazy. But anyway, that is a possibility, not a promise. Listen to me. Wisdom does not come automatically with age. That's a possibility, not a problem. Maturity is when you learn the meaning from everyday experiences in life. That's what it means to be mature. When you look at things in your life, the normal everyday things, and say, okay, I've got that. I've got that. I've learned what I need to learn. Other people go through life never examining their experiences. Socrates said this, the unexamined life isn't worth living. The unexamined life isn't worth living. So from the experiences, from the education, you go through, hey, what can I learn from this? So again, when it comes to your experiences, let's not waste them. How do I do that? Number one, I've got to embrace them. Number two, I've got to learn the lesson from them. But then here's the third thing. Use your experiences to help others. Use your experiences to help others. When you finally realize that the purpose of your life is far greater than your own happiness then problems become a whole lot easier to handle. You look at things from a different perspective. You know, I thought about Paul in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Paul is writing a letter to the, the people of Philippi, and he says, I want you to know, my friends, that these things that have happened to me have actually helped to progress, helped the progress of the gospel. He says, hey, the things that I'm going through, the things that have happened to me, they have actually been beneficial in the ultimate goal of sharing the gospel. Now, here's what you got to know about the situation that he was in. 
in this situation right now where he was, he had been beaten. He had been put on a ship headed to Rome. He had been shipwrecked. He had been bitten by a snake. He was in a dungeon right now, chained 24 hours to a Roman guard. And yet he's saying, all of these things that have happened to me have actually caused the good news of the gospel to spread even further. I mean, even though that's a different perspective. He's not sitting there whining and crying and complaining because somebody didn't make him happy. He's saying, you know what? I've got a different perspective here. My perspective is bigger. There's more at stake than just my own happiness here. The purpose of God is being fulfilled. And I'm going to use the experience right now to help somebody else. So how do we do that? How do you use the experiences of your life to help other people? Let me give you three things real quick today. Because I can see most of you thinking about that buffet bar right now. Three things. Number one, you minister to other people. Minister to other people. Use your experiences to minister to other people. God says, I want you to use these experiences to help somebody else. To minister to somebody else. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. It says, in our trouble, God has comforted us. This too is to help you to show you from our personal experience how God will tenderly comfort you when you undergo the same sufferings. He will give you the strength to endure. The point is, when you walk through problems, when you walk through trials and tribulations, God comes in, He comforts you, He helps you, He strengthens you. Why? So that you can turn around and help comfort and strengthen somebody else. God blesses you to be a blessing. God helps you so you can help others. Every experience you've gone through in life, He wants you to use that to help somebody else. Use your experiences. Don't waste them. Use them. How? By helping somebody who is about to go through or is going through something you've already been through. I mean, think about, think about these, these, these new moms. And, and, and while I'm here, there is mama standing up. Come on, girl. Yes. Got that beautiful little baby. First time mom. Love you, sweetheart. Figured I'd throw that plug in real quick. But anyway... How comforting is it for a first-time mom who... How many of you guys remember your first child? You remember your first child? You remember how much of a freak parent you were? Come on, I got four kids. I know how I was when my first one came. A man, when we left the hospital, I was in full-blown panic mode. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to take care of this child. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what was going to turn out. I had no clue. We got home. The baby started crying. I was freaking out. I said, what do we do? I don't know. Can I cook him a steak? I don't know. What do we give him? I don't know. How do we feed this young? Let me tell you something. Who better to comfort a first-time mom than a mother who's already been through it? A mother who can come along beside that mom and say, sweetie, it's all right. Babies cry. It's going to be all right. That's just natural. When you get your fourth one, you don't even worry about them no more. You just say, go play in the street. You're going to be all right. But you know, from the first to the fourth, you got to have those lessons. Somebody has to come in and help you. Who better to help you through an addiction than somebody who's already been through an addiction? Who better to help you through the loss of a child than somebody who's already been through that? Who better to help you, who, a family who has a special needs children, a child, than somebody who's already been through that and has a special needs child? Who better to help a family who has a teenager that has just gone off the deep end than somebody who's already been there and done that and come along beside them? 
Hear me today. God never wastes a hurt. He never wastes a hurt. And He doesn't want you to waste your hurts. He wants you to use them to benefit, to bless and encourage other people. That thing you're most embarrassed about, that thing you keep pushing to the side, that injustice, that hurt, that wound, that sin, that mistake, that thing you wish would have never happened, you could bury it in a hole, cover it up, and never remember it again. Listen, that very thing can become your greatest ministry. You can always help people if you would just be willing to share your experiences. Hear me today. You always help people more through your weakness than you do through your strength. When you come along beside that person and say, hey, I've been there. I've done that. I remember how I felt. I remember the embarrassment. I remember the hurt. I remember the pain. I remember what that was like. You begin to help other people. Hear me today. If you don't use your experiences, it's wasted. And all you get out of it is pain. Let me say that again. I really want to pastor you right here through this moment. If you don't use your experiences, it's wasted. And all you get out of it is pain. That's all you get. But that's not what God wants you to get out of. And listen, where was God when you were going through that pain? He was weeping. He was weeping. And he could have come in. He could have stopped all that. But again, he would have taken away our free will. Hear me today. God hates sin. He hates it. He hates the evil in this world. And he weeps over that. But if you refuse to deal with the experiences of your life and let God bring the good out of it, then all you get out of that is pain. And God says, don't waste your hurts. Use those hurts to minister to somebody. Here's the second thing you need to do. Use them to motivate other people. Use them to motivate other people. You minister to people in their pain. You motivate others when they're discouraged, when they're down and out. Your experiences can be inspirational to so many people if you would just use them. You've been through things. You've been places. You've come out of that thing. And, you know, so you come along beside somebody and you let them know, hey, I've been there. I've been through that. You're going to be all right. You're going to make this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, encourage one another, help one another. That's what we're called to do. We're called to encourage, to build up, to motivate, to inspire people. How do we do that? We do that in three ways. Wow, we give people hope. We give people hope. Number two, we help people overcome fears and we help people break down those barriers. So how do we give people hope? You give people hope because you've been through something. And so you come alongside them and say, hey, it's going to be all right. You're going to get through it too. And you help them through that moment. Have you ever just seen somebody going through something that you had already been through? And you thought, hmm, yeah, they're going to be all right. Have you ever noticed that the longer you live and the more pain that you've gone through in life, somebody comes up to you like a teenager. Come on. How many of you got teenagers at your house? Anybody got teenagers at home? My teenagers come up to me all the time. They're actually outside. They're doing their service today. My teenagers come up to me, and Samantha will come up to me. And she, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, what, what do you mean? What's going on? Well, they were talking about me. I said, and? How I many of you know you can get a little raw sometimes when you've been through so much stuff? But I mean, you know, at that moment for her, it's a big deal. She come to us the other day. She got a little mad. You know, how many of you know teenagers don't like rules? She's 18. She grown. She ready to get on her own. She come to me talking about, I want my own cell phone plan. I'm moving out. I'm like, you got $38 in your account. Bless you, girl. Come on. Anybody ever feel that pain? You help them along. 
I said, baby, let's, let's look at the budget here. You got to live off more than ramen noodles and eggs, girl. Amen. So that's a teachable moment. You help people. You help people. You give them hope. But not only that, you help them overcome their fears. You know, one of the biggest fears that people have today is the fear of losing their mind. That is a big fear for people. It's the fear of losing their mind. You know, the interesting thing about that is if you're worried about it, listen to me, rational people don't worry, irrational people do. No, excuse me, rational people worry, irrational people don't. Excuse me, mix that up. So the fact that you're worried about losing your mind tells me you're not losing your mind. Turn to somebody and say, you're not crazy. You're not crazy. I know it kind of looks like it right now, but you're not crazy. See, that broke a lot of fear for some of you folks in here today. You come in here thinking, I am straight up losing my mind, but the pastor said I ain't, so I'm all right. You're fine. You help people overcome fears, but here's the third one. What do you do? You help them break through those barriers. You motivate them with your own experience. I thought about Roger Bannister. Roger Bannister was the first guy to ever break the four-minute mile running. They said this was impossible. It'll never happen. This will never take place. And yet, within 12 months of Roger Bannister breaking that four-minute mile, here comes all of these other people, about a dozen other people come up, and they had broke the four-minute mile too. Why? Because somebody did it. All it took was them to look at it and say, it can be done. Listen, you have experiences in your life that can be barrier-busting, inspirational, and motivational to other people if you would just be willing to share it, to speak from your own experiences. So how do I use these experiences? What do I do? I've got to minister to people. I've got to motivate people. Here's the third one. This is the big one, guys. You've got to mentor other people. You've got to mentor. You don't just minister. You don't just motivate but you mentor. And mentoring is far more intentional than just ministering to somebody when they're hurting or motivating them when they're down and out. Mentoring is when you look at somebody and you're willing to get involved in their life and you come along beside them and you walk out this thing called life with them. It's mentoring. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 says this, We saw it, we heard it, And now we're telling you so you can experience it along with us. You pass it on to other people. What is a mentor? A mentor is someone who is an an experienced, trusted counselor or friend. That's what a mentor is. And everybody needs a mentor. And everybody needs to be a mentor. Everybody needs a personal coach to come along beside them. That can look at them and help them and see something in you that you can't see in yourself. That's a mentor. A mentor is there to help you with your role, your goal, and your soul. He helps you or she helps you with your role. What do I do in my life? He help, she helps you with your goal. What am I trying to accomplish in my life? They help you with your soul. What am I becoming in my life? They help you in these areas. Everybody needs a mentor and everybody needs to be a mentor. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 12, a warning given by an experienced person to someone willing to listen is more valuable than gold rings or jewelry. You know what he said? He says it's priceless. It's priceless. 
So I did a little something for you guys today. Everybody over 40, raise your hand right now. Everybody over 40, okay? So right now, what I need you to do is like take nuclear notes right now. Okay, this is a scripture for you if you're over 40. Now, if you're under 40, tell me, well, he ain't got, I got something for you too. Just calm down. If you're over 40, write this down. Job chapter 32, verse 7. Job chapter 32, verse 7. This is for you. Age should speak and experience should teach wisdom. Age should speak and experience should teach wisdom. Let me ask you something. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? Or are you wasting your experience? Are you teaching anybody? Are you sharing what you've learned? Hey, do this. Don't do that. Been there. Done that. Are you doing that? Are you sharing your experience? Age should speak and experience should teach wisdom. Now, if you're under 40, if you're under 40, just say whoop, whoop. That's all the party crowd right there. Under 40. Under 40. There you go. Under 40, this is your scripture. Job chapter 8, verse 8. Job chapter 8, verse 8. Ask the former generation, pay attention to the experience of our ancestors. Ask the former generation, pay attention to the experience of our ancestors. You need to go out and you need to be a mentor and you need to be mentored by somebody. What do I look for in a mentor? For me, I'm looking at somebody with gray hair or no hair in Jesus' name. They've been around a little while. That's what I'm looking for. But if you are a believer, you need to have a believer as your mentor. Everybody needs a mentor and everybody needs to be a mentor. Look, I've got, I've got two, two of my youngest ones, got Caleb and Aiden. They were up here a while ago. Caleb is 11. Aiden is 7. Caleb can mentor Aiden. And he does mentor Aiden. If you know more about a subject than the other person does, then you can mentor that person. So they'll sit down and start looking at homework, and Aiden will get stuck on something, and Caleb will say, hey, I was just there a couple years ago. Hey, here's what I learned. Here's how we did it. There's a mentoring moment. My teenagers mentor me all the time. When it comes to technology, when it comes to dress, when it comes to the woke, they mentor me. and See, all y'all, uh, those who are young understood it. The rest of y'all didn't get it. You didn't get it. I just mentored you right there. You didn't even know it. You can mentor at any age. But you need a mentor. Everybody in the world needs a mentor. Military is using them like crazy. The business world is using them. Politics are using them. There's not a pro athlete right now that doesn't have a mentor. The president of the United States has a mentor. I don't care which president it is. They have a mentor. They were elected by the people, but they have a mentor. You need a mentor in your life. Some of you who've been around for a while, you've been in this thing a long time. There's a lot of people that don't understand scriptures right now. A lot of baby Christians. Man, we love it. And we're excited. But what I need from you who are seasoned is to step up and be a mentor. Put your arm around some of these guys. Love on them. Encourage them. Take them out to eat. And here's something. You pay for it. 
You pay for it. It's part of mentorship. You're investing in someone. You're loving someone. You're being a part of their lives. You need to be a mentor, but then you need a mentor yourself. There's two mentors in my life, two of them. I've got one mentor that teaches me about systems and how to think strategically. I've got another mentor. This guy is just about 80 years old. He might even be in his younger 80s. And you know what he is? His responsibility to me is integrity and character. He teaches me that. And he'll call me, and man, I don't know how this guy does it, but he can tell something not right. He'll say, been reading your Bible like you are to? Been staying in that word? You've been praying? How's things going at home? How's things going with your kids? I have two mentors in my life. I have three guys that I'm mentoring. I'm pouring into them. These are younger pastors. These are guys that are planning churches, and they think they've got it all together. They think they're going to be the next Stephen Furtick, and I pray they do. Probably going to be disappointed. Where are you at on the journey? Imagine with me for one second if everybody to the left and to the right of you, <clears throat> kind of look at them right quick, just, just look at them, look around. If everybody to the left and to the right of you would use their experiences to mentor and help other people. Do you know the impact the Bridge Church would have, not only in Smithfield, but in Johnston County, and even around the world, Wayne County? Do you, can you imagine what would happen if every person that attended the Bridge said, I found it, I found my niche, and I'm willing to use my experiences to help other people, to mentor other people, to be involved in people's lives. Can you imagine the impact you would have? It would be astronomical. So where are you at today? Have you found it? Have you found that niche? Have you found that place where God wants you? Where He's called you to be? And you say, well, Pastor, <clears throat> man, I, I don't know. Maybe you're new today and you're just stepping in. Listen, you can go back on podcast, go back on the Bridge app, go back on the podcast. You can listen to all these messages. But I want you to find your niche. I want you to find your purpose. I want you to find where God's called you and created you to be. Listen, I said this at the very beginning of this series. The fact that you have come in here this morning, it could have been somebody invited you. It could have been you wanted to see your kids do an amazing job and lead us in worship this morning, and they did great. It, I, don't, it, I don't know why you're here. Maybe you just stumbled. But here's my thought on this. God would have never brought you here if he knew that your talents weren't needed here. The fact that you're here, the fact that you're sitting here, well, I just come to visit, I just come to see my kids, none of that is relevant. Here's what's relevant today, is the fact that you come in and you're sitting here right now, could it be that God said, I'm going to move this, I'm going to shift this, I'm going to work this out to make sure they're in this place today to let them know there is a gift, there's an ability, there's a talent, there's something you've got that this church needs. There's an experience. You've got something that this church needs. And, and if we just walk out of these doors and say, you know what? I didn't think nothing of that and walked on. Then we've missed the whole purpose of this whole series. 
The whole purpose of this series is finding out, God, what is it you've put in me? What have you instilled in me? And how can I use that to benefit the body of Christ? How can I use my gifts to help the Bridge Smithfield? How can I use it? We've had 23 people that said, I found it during this series. 23 new people. You ain't excited about it. (laughs) 23 people to come in and said, hey, I want a sticker. Let me sign my name on something. You know, because you're looking around talking about, you got a, why ain't I got a sticker? You got a sticker? Why ain't I got Well, you ain't serving. You ain't got no sticker. Well, y'all want a sticker. Well, put your name down. So anyway, 23 people have said, I want some information about the different ministries of the British Smithfield. How can I get involved? How can I help out during this series? Stand with me all over the house. I want you to find it. Gina, put that niche cross stick back up, please. Yeah. I, I want you to find it. I want you to find your niche. I want you to find those natural abilities. What are you good at? What are you just naturally good at? Some of you are just naturally gifted at singing and playing instruments. Some of you, like me, you got no business up here singing. But you got a talent. You got something you're naturally good at. What are you naturally good at? What is your personality? What does that fit? Here's the thing. You're going to notice that every one of these are going to line up and put you in a place where you need to be. You have to discover what they are. But can I pause in the midst of all of this and just tell you, it all starts with God. It all starts with God. None of this is going to be revealed to you unless you start with God. We are created by God, for God, and it is only in God that we discover our purpose. So bow your heads with me all over the house. Father, we thank you for this day.